welcome to Radically Loved Radio. I am your host, Rosie Acosta, yoga teacher and teacher trainer, mindfulness coach, speaker, and creative writer. I am also the founder of radicallyloved.com, a website where you can go for more information about yoga, mindfulness, meditation, and lifestyle advice. On this podcast, we talk to people within our health and wellness community that are creating content through the ritualistic practice of yoga, meditation, or overall mindful living. We hope to create value in your life so that you can achieve your highest potential and live a radically loved life. To stay in touch with us, just follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Rosie Acosta and on Facebook at Radically Loved Rosie. You can sign up for our newsletter on radicallyloved.com to stay up to date on future workshops, retreats, and latest podcasts. Hey everyone, welcome to another dose of Wisdom Nuggets. I thought that for this episode, I would just compile three of my favorite episodes of things that I felt really embodied what the Radically Loved community really loves. And so it combines different elements of mind, body, and spirit connection. I thought that I would share some of my most memorable moments with three of my favorite people, guests. The first one is Tracy Stanley. The second would be Marco Borges. And the third is Ethan Nectern. Here are some wisdom nuggets from these three incredibly powerful wisdom teachers. I feel like having a practice, whether it's a five-minute practice or an hour-long practice, just a commitment to do something every day is so important because it builds your discipline and it builds your willpower and it expands your capacity. And if you don't have those three things, I feel like that's when we start to feel like we're not in balance. That's when we start to feel lost and that's when we start to feel like we don't have the tools to be able to push through when we actually Mm -hmm. need to be able to push through. Yeah. Um, And I think that it feels like there's this idea that you have to have 90 minutes of practice, you know, because we all kind of grew up doing yoga in yoga studios for with an hour and a half long classes. And that if you don't have time to do an hour and a half or at least an hour, that somehow it's not worth doing, then you shouldn't even start. And honestly, all you need to do is just a couple of down dogs. A few chakra vakasanas, connect in with your breath, connect in with an intention. And if that takes you five to 10 minutes, then that's enough. But it's the idea of connecting to yourself, like having some sort of practice every day that allows you to connect to you, not to your thoughts, not to the opinions of the people around you, but to what's happening inside. And I don't think we have enough opportunities to do that because we're so busy all the time. I mean, this life that we have right now with all the technology and connection and good connection in different ways, but it keeps us from actually exploring our internal landscape and being able to know what's really happening inside of us. And so when we don't pay attention to that, something winds up bubbling up that catches us by surprise. And then we don't know how to deal with it. Mm. We feel like we don't have the tools. 
that's my experience anyway. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that the moments in my life when I've experienced those those bubbling up moments have been when I'm not really uh, steeped in, in a practice, right? It's like mm-hmm. I'm not really, I've kind of half-assed it. Right. Right. It's like I'm just going through the motions. Right. right? Yeah. Um, and and I notice that when that happens, it bleeds into the rest of my life. All of a sudden, you know, I start to get irritable or I start to feel overwhelmed or I start to feel like all the things I need to tackle, they become so big mm-hmm. and it just really creates a lot of dysfunction, I think. I totally agree. I feel like it works in two ways. It's like when you have a consistent practice, even if it's the five minutes a day, it's cumulative, right? And so those five minutes adds on to the next five minutes and to the next five minutes. And you actually have this storehouse mm-hmm. of like peace and stillness that you can tap into at any point. But the reverse is also true. So when you stop listening, and you stop giving yourself an opportunity to check in, all of those things that you're not listening to start building up and start piling up. And then when that thing starts tumbling down, it really feels, or you take a moment to see it for whatever reason, (laughs) then it's like this overwhelming mountain that you're like, oh my God, what am I gonna do now? And you know, yoga gives us tools for all that stuff. (laughs) And we've all been there. That happens, and then you're like, oh, it's already the fifth of the month. I'll start next month. Oh, it's already May. I'll start, you know, next year. Or I'll start on Monday. I'll start Monday. I'll start next week. I'll start, tomorrow never comes. Don't don't put it off for tomorrow. Tomorrow never comes. Tomorrow's always tomorrow. It's not today. So just stop, think about it, and say, you know what? I want to take control of my health. I want to be in the driver's seat. Because it's much much more important to understand what you are doing to continue to stay healthy or to, or to become healthier than it is to understand what you need to do once you're already sick or once you're already on pharmaceutical drugs, yeah. which become like a subscription service, right? It's the most evil subscri- subscription service on earth. You you're wind up getting on a drug and then you're like, oh my God, if only, well, don't wait to the if only. And if you're already on pharmaceutical drugs and you want to get away from them, you can. You just can't look for the solution at your doctor's office one day a year. It's just not going to happen. It's not. You have to be in control. You have to be proactively involved in your health by eating better foods, by getting more exercise, by moving more. You don't even have to go to a formal gym. You could do it at home. You could walk around the neighborhood. You could take your kids on a bike ride. You could go walking with your family after dinner. What better time to unplug from you know, social media and from all this digital craze that's around us 24-7 and just go for a walk with your family and just, I want to hear about your day. How was your day? How was school? How are you doing? How's everything? You know, we don't take enough time to do that. And I think that when we find the time, when we make the time to do these things, we will not only benefit as a family, but we benefit as individuals. Yeah, so. and we benefit by helping the ecosystem. With, without a doubt. Without, without a doubt. I mean, yeah. the more, you know, the more we move towards a plant-based diet, the more we reduce greenhouse emissions, the more we, uh, you know, the more compassionate we are to the animals, the, the healthier we are, yes. the, the happier we are. And yeah. I believe that health is happiness. And if we're healthy, we're happy. And if we're happy, we tend to treat people a little bit kinder, a little, have a little more empathy and or a little more 
uh, loving to each other. And if there's one thing we need in this world today is a little more love. You're so right. A hundred percent. I agree. So what do you think about, I mean, I don't want to get, I don't know that I want to go down this rabbit hole, but you know, a lot of, um, the way that we were conditioned, especially, you know, I grew up here in LA. Um, a lot of the options at school were not healthy. And we grew up with having vending machines at school and like having pizza hut options and Taco Bell options. And so, you know, we're kind of primed with having these easy, accessible, processed, cheap foods. How do you think that there's a way that we can begin to change the system for the next generation of kids like how how do we do that is that like just a big undertaking to try and go in and try trying to educate the next generation of, of kids growing up it is it's it's not an easy task I'm not gonna sit here and, and lie to you because you and I both know that it's a massive undertaking right it's it's, a, it's 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 a massive massive undertaking but it starts one school at a time we can bring more of of that wander into our life where we can we can learn from stories like like a rom-com you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well you know i think that's the other thing is like uh i i always get very very um uh confused when people say buddhism says this you know um or or you know yoga says this or this tradition says that because one, within any tradition, there's many different perspectives, but also if you look at any spiritual teaching, it comes, it arises in the context of a particular, uh, cultural moment, you know, and a particular, uh, um, personal moment, you know, so the cultural stories and the personal stories and having that context always is going to influence our interpretation of any so-called, um, spiritual teaching, you know? So for example, with Buddhism, to understand that the reason the Buddha first talked about suffering, you know, rather than first talking about joy, for example, is because he was talking to these, um, you know, spiritual ascetics who were literally starving themselves, you know, and he wanted to just acknowledge their struggle first, you know, so there's an actual story behind the teaching on the Four Noble Truths. It's not just this thing that is, you know, written on a, on, on a tablet somewhere. It's a, there's, there's a conversation going on. And, and so our pop culture kind of creates that conversation, you know, and you could say that the way the Buddha's t story is told is, uh, changes based on who's telling it. You know, if, if Thich Nhat Hanh tells the story, it's actually much more a story of spiritual activism than if, um, someone else tells the story. Right. Sure. And, and so, you know, then this moment of like, like, so for example, here's another, I, I found this really interesting that there's a, there's a best-selling book this year, which is a, a really good book, um, written by Robert Wright, who's, a um, uh, evolutionary biologist and also, a uh, you know, a, a spiritual thinker called why Buddhism is true, you know, and he, it's, it's a scientific book about Buddhism, but he talks about the movie, the matrix for the first 10 pages because he has to locate um, our experience within some kind of cultural narrative in order for it to make any sense at all, you know, and we're, and we're always doing that. So um, the fairy tale, um, the fantasy story and the rom-com uh, and a deconstructed fairy tale, because we don't really believe in fairy tales anymore, which is one that 
that's kind of where the Princess Bride picks up is like it actually reconvinces a grandson who's like, you know, romance is stupid and fairy tales are stupid um, to actually believe in fairy tales again. Right. So it picks up at a moment where we're like, we don't actually even believe in our own stories anymore and reinvests us in the story, which is a very uh, good narrative for the for the modern moment. And so that kind of ironic narrative, you know, I don't think it's just my late genera- generation X uh, uh, generation or it's the hipster generation or whatever, but that's a really good narrative to use as a starting place to look at like how we mindfully engage relationships. It's like, let's start with this. We don't believe in fairy tales anymore. So what are we going to do about it? You know, how are we going to work with, uh, relationships in that space? So there's always a personal story and there's always a cultural story. And until you understand those two, you know, whatever the teachings are, whatever the instructions are, they're not going to make a lot of sense you know, and, and people, the other thing is people are going to feed whatever the list of teachings are. People are going to feed them through their own, um, uh, personal narratives and cultural narratives without knowing they're doing that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, part of my question, just because we, we need to utilize these types of stories or metaphors, or, or ways for us to relate to them in, in a way that we find compelling or, or important, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, you know, what's interesting to me, you know, especially coming from the yogic tradition and studying Tantra and studying Vedic texts, um, you know, that different things are translated and, you know, like um, certain teachings perhaps get translated in a way uh, that we can understand them. Do you think that we lose the depth of of the meaning or of the teaching because we've translated it so much. Does that make sense? Does this question make sense? Yeah, yeah, completely. I mean, I mean, the translator has, has all the power. Yeah. I mean, I, I like, I, I know I don't read Sanskrit or Tibetan, but I, I know at least in transliteration, a lot of the words I, I, um, uh, remember, you know, I, I speak, kind of decent Spanish and, you know, <laughs> studied some complete in, in college. And I remember reading, uh, a book of, of Pablo Neruda's poetry where it was in, um, translation. So one page was the Spanish, the, the other page across was the English. And they even chose to translate the same word in different places on the same page differently into English. Uh-huh. So, so that person who's making that choice obviously has a lot of power, you know, and the person who chose, the word suffering, for example, the one that I just used for dukkha rather than like dissatisfaction right. or a feeling of offness. One, suffering is a Christian word, you know, so it's so it's a I mean, it's an English word, but it's a word that's used in relation to a certain uh, Christian experience. So there's a there's the person who's doing the translation. If they're just doing an academic translation is going to have a lot of power. And then the other translation is we have to translate it through our experience, which means translating it through our stories, you know, and then and then something like suffering might come alive a little bit more. And you say, oh, it doesn't mean I'm like uh, in pain all the time. It means something feels off or there's some sense of misalignment uh, with my own heart or experience that needs to be worked with. And and um, and you have enough experiences through your personal stories of like what that quality of um, brokenheartedness or, or just feeling, uh, 
burden in some way feels like. And that those experiences are going to come to life through our practice and they're going to come to life through stories we tell. Is there something missing in your life? Is there something that you want to do in the world to create an impact but feel that it's overwhelming? So many of us walk through life feeling unsatisfied, overwhelmed, tired, and desperate for a deeper connection, but don't quite know how to achieve the things that we want in life. Join us this spring at the Dunsky Castle in Scotland for seven days of yoga, meditation, and yoga nidra, all focusing on finding your life's purpose. During our time together, we will learn how and when to take action, how to lead from our heart and not our head, how to break up with our inner critic for good and dive deep into learning about desire and discipline and how this creates a purposeful life. For more information, go to radicallyloved.com or you can message us at info at radicallyloved.com, subject Scotland. We'll see you soon. Hey listeners, we need your support. Help us by subscribing and rating to this podcast. Send us a snapshot of your review or comment, and we will send you a very special Radically Loved gift. Send your comment to info at radicallyloved.com. You can also click on the show notes here on this podcast for more information. If you want to be part of our community, please click the link to our private Facebook group, on the show notes of this particular podcast so you can be the first to hear of upcoming trainings, retreats, and special Radically Loved events. Thanks so much for listening.